Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by a very special guest today, former Falcoholic alumnus and current Yahoo Sports uh, draft analyst, man who who wears many hats, uh, Charles McDonald at Four Verts. Welcome back to the show, Charles. How you doing? Thanks. I'm doing good. I'm a little tired. It's uh, been a pretty long draft season from, you know, reporting at the Combine, doing all the analyst stuff, still keeping a tab on free agency and all that things. So uh, it's a, it's a, I feel like I've, I have a, a well-earned rest, but I, I can't, you know, I can't fully dive into my hibernation without talking about the Falcons real quick. You know, it, it, yeah. it's it's like necessary for me at this point. It's it's part of the healing process. You know, we have to <laughs> we have to confront the Falcons, right? right? Uh, but no, I think I think that they did some positive things in this draft. I know uh, you have a lot of takes on it. So, and also we haven't heard from you on the Falcons offseason as a whole. But let's let's start with the the topic of the day, of course, which is the draft. I, I know. Uh, Bijan is, is a player that you like, but, or maybe even love the actual player, but the fit for the Falcons and, and the value and all that. Talk to me about sort of your, your thoughts on the, on the eighth overall pick. Well, I mean, just like from a, a talent standpoint, there's an easy case to make him, you know, or, or to say at least he's the best player in the draft. Like there's a, there's like a seven minute, uh, Bijan highlight tape on that Texas tweeted out that I also tweeted out the other day. And like that's really all you need to see in terms of just like, well, why would they take a running back at eight? Because this guy's different than, you know, all the other guys. Uh, and this isn't, you know, something where it's like, like the Lions taking Jameer Gibbs at 12. You know, Bijan Robinson is someone that, like, he could actually be the foundation of your offense, uh, whether it's just from a running standpoint, from somewhere, from someone who can be uh, an impact in the receiving game. Like, he really can do uh kind of anything you would need him to do on offense uh but like from a running perspective i think you can make the argument that of any team that would need to actually spend premium like resources on a running back the falcons are probably damn near the bottom of that list uh given what the what we saw last year uh i mean even in, in terms of like run game stuff, I don't know if there's anyone in the NFL, maybe outside of like Kyle Shanahan, who's better than Arthur Smith. Uh, I mean, you even had the offensive line kind of overachieving a little bit last year uh, compared to like the overall talent level. Uh, we got a thousand yard season now, Tyler Algier, who was, you know, kind of dominating by the end of the season. Uh, and they've had stints from uh, Cordero Patterson and Caleb Huntley. Obviously, Bajan Robinson's a lot better than all those guys, but, you know, when you already get that much production out of your rushing game, I think it's fair to wonder, like, how much more can you actually squeeze from from the fruit? Uh, but still, like, B. John Robinson in Arthur Smith's offense, he's going to absolutely rake. Like, it, the only way that this ends up bad is is if he, you know, knock on wood, gets a, an injury or something, or uh, the offensive line just takes, like, a huge step back because uh, it's set enough for him to get – over 300 touches this season, I would imagine. Uh, he's going to be a focal point in the offense. And uh, it, it's hard to say, like, when you watch him play, to say that, oh, putting this guy in the Falcons' offense was a, was a bad idea, right? It's hard to say it was a bad idea. 
I just would have used the, the resources a little bit different, but he's so good. Like you, you almost have to just kind of get over it. Yeah, no, there, there's a, yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. And I think it's a valid argument that, you know, how big was the actual need for Bijan? And I think to like make this, to justify this pick, obviously he has to be really good, which I'm not really concerned about that, but I think they almost need to get more out of him than a typical running back too. Like Arthur Smith's talked a lot about how he wants to use him as this receiver as well and all this stuff. And I think that's really interesting. And maybe that's where we'll go next year, but real quick, I want to thank today's sponsor, betonline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting needs, including info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines for this year's NBA playoffs. Or perhaps you love the Bijan pick, right? Feeling overly confident in the Falcons. You can bet on Atlanta to win the NFC South right now. Or even go totally crazy and bet on the NFC Championship or Super Bowl. Not that I would advise that. But no matter what you do, <laughs> Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season. As they've got you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Whether that's basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, all the way to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and car games you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, Charles, what do you think, you know, on the topic of Bijan and, and potentially being used as you know, this position, this player that Arthur Smith likes to talk about, you know, if you pull up Bijan and Debo Samuel as an example, athletically, they're very, like, almost exactly the same player. Obviously, Bijan more of a runner, Debo more of a receiver that became somewhat of a runner, you know, I but I wonder if, if they sort of see Bijan as getting a lot more touches in the receiving game than a normal sort of bell cow running back would. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And then that's kind of how you can also keep... Uh... Tyler Algier to be part of the equation, uh, which which I know they have interest in doing. Uh, we'll see how feasible that is, like once the season starts. But uh, I, I think like even his presence, Algier's presence, gives you the flexibility to put put Bijan out there, right? At whether it's a slot receiver or uh, you know maybe you want to do like some jet stuff where you're got a motion across the line of scrimmage, you're just handing it off like. Uh, we've kind of seen other disciples from that tree do, um, but uh, it, it's he's still going to be like the running back, like the 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 main runner. He's going to get that ball a ton. I, I like I remember when that pick was made. I just thought about uh, well the the, the stretch last year. I forget what game it was where they ran the ball like fourteen times in a row uh, yeah. or something like that. We're going to run the piss out of the ball. I think it was against the Browns. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's Brown. That that's what I would expect the uh the Falcons uh offense to kind of resemble next year. But I will say I do think it's good that they brought up the uh the receiving stuff with Bijan because as much as like I like the fit from just a player to scheme fit, it's it's perfect. Uh but they do need to throw the ball a little bit more than they did last year. Like they just they have to. And and maybe uh, maybe like their confidence in Ritter will, will allow that. But, you know, I think there were too many times last year where, you know, you have a bad play in the passing game and they kind of overcommit to the run. Uh, but, you know, you've drafted a tight end, a wide receiver, and a running back who can function as a wide receiver in certain sets. You got to start throwing the ball a little bit more than you did last year. That's like the only critique that I would really 
emphasize for the team moving forward. You don't need to get so run heavy. You have a quarterback, you someone believe in. You got two two receiving targets out there that are potentially dominant. Let's throw the ball a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Well, you brought up Ritter, so I, I do want to touch on that because I haven't really gotten your take on anything. I know you were super pro Lamar, and I was actually very pro Lamar early on, and then I felt like the the discourse became ex- very exhausting at a certain point. But, um, you know, obviously Lamar returns to the Ravens, you know, which makes you wonder, was he ever actually available? Um, but what do you think about the decision to roll with Ritter so publicly and without even – I mean, Taylor Heineke – I think is a, a guy that could have potentially pushed Ritter in camp and, and given us a competition, but they decided to do away with all that. So what do you think with how they're sort of setting up the quarterback room this off season? Uh, it's fine. I mean, I, I think, look, if, if you had decided that you weren't going to make a trade up for one of those guys or what could have happened there, I'm not saying this did, I don't know what happened, but like you try to trade up and the Colts are like, no, we're taking a quarterback here. Uh, or the Texans now we're taking a quarterback here and you don't want to go crazy trading for number three. If you want to stay at eight, pass on Will Levis. Like I'd, I'd rather roll with Ritter than try and take, you know, Will Levis at eight. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Levis is like, or excuse me, I don't think Ritter, uh, he might not be, <laughs> one of these guys has like Anthony Richardson style upside, but like I think he has upside to be like an above average quarterback and, uh, that's at least worth investing in for now. So uh, I think they should give him the reins. I, as much as like I'm, I'm cool with having Taylor Heineke as a backup. We've seen that as a starter. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's not. I know it's not good enough. It's like at, at least I can kind of hope and see I got something in Ritter. Yeah. Taylor, if things goes wrong, like he he can kind of keep the ship afloat. But I uh, I think the the them committing to Ritter kind of suggests that they want something a little bit more than Taylor Heineke yeah. can offer as far as the starting quarterback goes, which is good. Which yeah. <laughs> is good. Yes, that's good. Let's aim <laughs> higher. Yeah. Like yeah. I love Taylor Heineke. He's a fun guy. And I think he's a really good backup. Like he's more than capable of like going 500, basically winning some like winning you games while he has to play in case of an injury. But if you go into the season with him as your just unquestioned starter, like I just don't think there's a lot of upside for your year, but as a backup who has a lot of experience, I think he fits the scheme well, moves moves well, all that stuff. Like, he makes a lot of sense and obviously not crazy expensive either. So, um, I like the signing there. I think he'll be a good mentor for Ritter. But like you said, uh, I think it was wise to aim higher. And I, I think Ritter does have a higher ceiling there. I think just like the, the hate mm. that Ritter seems to get from the national media is just odd. Like, like why is Sam Howell not getting dunked on? Like, the, he's a fifth-round pick. I, I, maybe just nobody cares about the commanders. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But. That's it. That, that's exactly <laughs> it. You think no one cares about the Falcons, but, like, people really don't care about the commanders unless it's, like, Dan Snyder doing something. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe that's the secret all along. People love to dunk on the Falcons. We know. I mean, we're gluttons for punishment, so we understand that. But um, it's, well, uh... <laughs> we know what it is at this point. I don't. I don't get yeah. offended when. Yeah. When when people make fun of the Falcons, like I I can I, I watch the games too. I know how stupid it is, but I'm also here. <laughs> <laughs> We're still here. Yep. You, they can't get if we if 28. You know if that. I'm not gonna lie unholy, to Yeah. If that unholy number didn't get rid of us, then. That's nothing well at this point. So we're we're clearly diehard. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're still here after twenty eight to three, it should be really easy for you to be honest with yourself about where yeah. this team is and isn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, the the collapses just don't hurt the same anymore. You know, I just don't get they as don't. upset as they I used to. Yeah. It changed it changed <laughs> us. It changed us. I don't know if it's for the better, but it definitely changed us. But, but <laughs> back back to the draft. Um 
Matthew Bergeron in the second round, I know that sur- surprised a lot of people. Adnan and I actually ended up predicting that on our final live mock draft um, because I, I've seen him play in Syracuse a lot. I think he has a lot of upside of guard. He looked really good at guard at the Senior Bowl. Uh, it is a trench pick, so that should make some people happy, right? But um, what do you think about Bergeron? Do you, do you think he might be the left guard starter this year, or do you think it's going to be a, lo- a longer-term plan for him? Uh, I would imagine he's going to be starting left guard this year. I think what makes him interesting is like uh, he's one of those guys that can kind of give you a little bit of contract flexibility for next year. If like you decide uh, if Jake, if you decide you want to move up from Jake Matthews, I think next year is when they can start making a decision on that. Um, he's a guy that at least has the potential to to move out there, but I think for the, for the immediate, for the immediate uh concerns he's going to play guard i think he's going to be uh probably your day one starter at guard i mean come on it's competition isn't it like i i I would say this i would say this if he's not the day one starter at guard we should be alarmed um (laughs) because uh he doesn't have a whole lot of competition as far as that uh position goes and trading up to like the top of the second round is not exactly like a, a small thing to give up uh, and the Falcons, they were one of those teams that were trying to trade back into the bottom of the first round on Thursday night. So maybe that could have been for Bergeron. I don't know if like, you know, whoever they were, they were targeting in that range was Bergeron or wasn't, but uh, we do know that they were trying to trade back into the bottom of the first round and the Chiefs told them no, and they took a pass rusher from Kansas State. So uh, clearly this is someone they value pretty highly. Um, came out and said he's going to be a guard. If you look at like his little, relative athletic score thing as the yeah. guard. He's going to be one of the more athletic guys there um, in the NFL. And I think he's a good scheme fit at guard just because uh, I, I think he, he's a better run blocker right now than he is pass blocker. He's got a little mean streak to him, but uh, it's the athleticism in space, I think, that that makes him really enticing. So, uh, you know, when they try to get uh, Ritter involved in some of these quarterback run plays, I think he's going to be a pretty big uh, component of how successful those are. Yeah, no, I, I think I think Bergeron's kind of underrated. I know there was the the Cowboys, you know, war room stuff where they were considering taking Bergeron at 26. Uh, and I'm not a Ma- Mozzie Smith guy, at, at least not in the first round. So I, I definitely think Bergeron would have been a better pick for them. But um, I I think fans are going to be really happy with this pick uh, very quickly. I, he's so nasty in the run game and uh, he's big too. Like the Falcons are getting a big line. I mean, Dolman's really the only one that's on the smaller side now. Um, and I think, you know, if you believe the rumors that they were potentially interested in Paris Johnson at eight, Bergeron makes perfect sense because he's just like a lighter version of, of Paris Johnson. He's a tackle that they're probably going to play a guard for a couple of years and then see if he could potentially give them that tackle flexibility you know, whether that's Jake Matthews rides off into the sunset or Caleb McGarry isn't exactly giving them the value. I mean, the fact that he's only making 11 and a half million somehow definitely makes that value proposition a little bit easier to hit for him. But um, I like to pick I, I think he's really good. I think he's really smart. Um, this is a guy that basically came from Canada football and started at an, uh, like a division one ACC school at tackle immediately in his true freshman year. So he's he's a quick study. Uh, obviously really talented, so excited about that pick for sure. Um, yeah, the third rounder, Zach Harrison at edge, um, was a guy that I had actually thought about for the Falcons, but never actually mocked them. Um, but you think about it kind of like Tyree Wilson light, you know, in terms of being a big athletic guy, 
Uh, but what do you think about the Harrison pick? It is it is an edge pick for everyone clamoring for edge rushers. So, yeah, I mean it's an edge pick. I I don't I don't know how much this guy's that we're gonna be as like a pass rusher, but um, I I think he definitely helps like their goal of uh, uh, of just being like a bigger, more physical team. You know, this isn't the <laughs> this isn't like, and I I, I love Dan Quinn so. I'm not trying to like shit on them here, but like this isn't the we're stockpiling 230 pound edge defenders um, that like they were doing the pre- previous regime. I'm talking to some fans like before the draft. Is Nolan Smith an option at eight? No, don't think so. I look 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 at the the body types that that Ryan Nielsen coached with the Saints and some of the guys that they've tried to acquire this year. I don't think like someone like Nolan Smith fits into those plans. I think. I, I honestly think, like, as we move forward, someone like Arnold Ebiketti is probably going to be, like, the smallest de- like defensive lineman that you see them at. Uh, so Zach Harrison, he, well, he's, like, 6'5", 270. Um, yeah. He's got long arms. He's one of the just, like, a heavy-handed run defender. It got some power to him. Uh, but I think, like, as far as the pass rush, he's more of a pocket pusher than someone who's going to be, like, out here, you know, making things happen off the edge, which is why he's available in the third round. You know, like, yeah. you don't have to – get super high uh expectations here but like just as, as kind of like a sledgehammer defensive end who's who you know or who, who, who you, you can at least trust to like hold the end against uh, an offensive tackle i think that's how he's going to get on the field and uh he i think it's going to be like uh you know one of these dirty work edges don't get a whole lot of uh a whole lot of praise don't rack up a whole lot of numbers but they kind of end up being integral to your defense at the end of the day yeah i think I think this one in particular, I think he's a, a Calais Campbell backup, right? For when you want that similar size right. out there at big end. Um, I think he's, he's also and, and he's like, got, yeah. kind of got a, I think that is, like, he's kind of got a similar play style to Calais, right? Uh, like old man Calais where, you know, Tyree was someone where you can, we, we, we could potentially stand Tyree up on the edge. Like that's yeah. kind of what athleticism is. We're not talking about something like that, but, like if you want to kick him down inside at three technique or um, even play like one in, 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 in like a dime set or something, I think that's, that's uh, that, that could be a plan for him. Like if you're trying to move him all over the place, like as far as the play style, I think, I think that's like your long-term Calais Campbell kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And obviously not peak Calais Campbell, you know, that was sort of just a one of one player, but as someone who can, I think this is your Ade Ogundeji replacement. I think the writing's sort of on the wall for him at this point. Um, just yeah. wasn't, he was, you know, here to be our run defending edge and just it didn't, it did not work out. Um, so you get Zach Harrison in here instead. And like at this point, like the edge room is so full of guys. Like, I mean, uh, spoiler alert for my 53 man roster. Like I might have them keeping six edge rushers just because like, I don't think they're going to cut Malone. I don't think they're going to cut Harrison, but they're also not going to cut any of the guys they signed. Like, I mean, Bud Dupree's contract is basically, you know, two and a half, three million guaranteed. So, uh, some, some, some people are going to be inactive, but it, it, at least it means we don't have to pull somebody up off the practice squad the second we get an injury. So, uh, I, the depth hopefully will help, uh, even if it's not star studded, they at least have like this seven like six man deep rotation of guys that are actual starting caliber nfl edge rushers so that's a refreshing tra- change from um I'm, I'm trying to even remember some of the guys we saw out there the last couple of years you know steven means no offense but um <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um yeah. 
yeah, that, that was that was pretty rough when he was playing more than 50% of the snaps. But uh, yeah, the next pick might actually be my favorite one with Clark Phillips. I was just shocked that he's lasted that long. I mean, I know he's small, but uh, what do you think about the Clark Phillips pick? Uh, that was one of my favorite picks in the class. I feel like everyone kind of has that take, right? But uh, anytime you can find like, someone who can actually start as a rookie in the fourth round at a position like cornerback, uh, it's pretty hard to be upset or even like really critical of that pick. So uh, I think I'm pretty sure that was my, when I wrote it up this weekend, I, I wrote up so much. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think that was my uh, favorite pick for the Falcons draft. Cause I, you, you talk around people, there are people who had like high round two grades on him. Uh, I, I think the consensus was closer to a day two player than where he went uh, early round four. So I think it was a good bit of value and like, Look, this this is this is probably the most like I'll call it intriguing Falcons CB trio that we've had in some time. We got one guy who we know is good, AJ Terrell, um, and then you kind of have two wild cards that are like credible prospects at cornerback in Okuda and Clark Phillips. I'm not saying that either one of them are like necessarily like definitely going to hit, but at least you have a realistic snapshot of what they look like as successful players in the nfl so yeah I, I they're moving in the right direction is it a good defense i don't know probably not but uh could it be like the 20th best defense maybe would that be like a top three falcon defense in the past 15 years yes yeah i mean we could <laughs> even sniff we could sniff average charles we could sniff average for the first time since 2017 i think with this defense so yeah <laughs> yeah it's a big step i was talking about to someone yesterday and they were i was like uh they were like wait so this falcons defense like well it could be maybe around 20 right and i was like yeah and that would literally be like the best deep one of the best defense they've had since michael vick was a quarterback yep. and they didn't believe me and they looked it up and they're like holy shit like yeah. you guys were playing you guys are playing a different sport over there on defense yes Yes. Yes. Yes, yes we were. Yep. <laughs> With all those defenses, it's it's crazy that like the you know we're gonna start having a good defense you know when we're back under an offensive head coach. So uh, hey, you know, look at us. Who would who would have thought, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I love the Clark Phillips pick. I think I think he's gonna find his way onto the field like early. I don't I don't think you can keep him off. Um, he just he hasn't played a lot of slot. I know people have just like penciled him into the slot, but I sort of wonder if like. Obviously, DJ Reed, of uh, I think he's currently with the Jets, like sort of a, a very unique player. But I do wonder if that's if Clark Phillips can be like they're measurables wise, very very similar players. I think DJ Reed does have longer arms a little bit, so that that obviously helps. But sort of like really feisty smaller corners that just refuse to move to the slot and just play outside at a high level. So I wonder if if that could be his potential upside if he does stay outside. Look, I'm not opposed to any. As long as AJ is starting, I don't care. Like, try whatever you need to try over there because it's been a rotating door the entire time. Um, I, I look, I would based on what I saw from Clark in college, this is kind of like a Matthew Bergeron situation where it's like, if you're not on the field, the, your competition's not that strong, man. You know, Casey Hayward's not here anymore. Uh, I, I, I'm not even sure. Like, they they really UCF legend Mike Hughes, Charles. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can never slander Mike Hughes. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I, I forgot that they signed Mark or Mike Mike Hughes. So 
I mean, look, maybe Clark ends up as a CB4, but I do think there's a there's a pretty good chance your best three is AJ, Jeff, assuming Jeff is healthy, because I do think there's some concern with, like, the back half of the season he had last year. The start was really good, but he kind of lost some steam. But I think your best three are probably going to be AJ, Jeff, and then Clark, uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I Even if Clark is your CB4 this year, that's a really, really good CB4 because he's going to have to play at some point. So, um, you know, I, yeah. we'll see who, who hops in and who ends up starting. But I think it'll for the first time, it's like, oh, we can't just like pencil in some guy that we're very uncomfortable with as CB3. So, uh, you know, it, there, there's at least some depth there now. That seems to be the theme of this offseason, honestly, is just let's fill the roster with guys that at least we feel like, oh, he's okay. You know, oh, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, God, yeah, he's starting. Yeah. You have... When you have a when you have some assets back, it's crazy what you can kind of do with your team when you're not, you know, when you don't have eighty million dollars worth of dead cap sitting on your roster when you can't do anything with it. So, yeah. uh, look, this, this I, I think they kind of had the offseason I was I was hoping them to have. I don't think it was a very pretty free agency market, but they made the best of it. You signed in Chris Lindstrom, got McGarry back in the fold, uh, got Jesse Bates, like. As far as free agency stuff goes, it's probably like three of the most important moves you have to make this year, and they got all three of them. And, uh, and then like the rest of the time, like you you just you you get to see like this is what having cap space looks like. You get to restack like the middle class of your roster, which the Falcons had absolutely none of uh, over the past two years. So you got depth, you got a couple of high end starters. I think it's been a pretty productive offseason for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. I think the way the Falcons went about it was very smart too. It's still a lot of one-year deals. Um, and I think fans look at that. It's like, oh, well, now your roster, is, like we're terrified that the roster, like, you know, what, what's going to happen next year? Well, it's like they could re-sign these guys. But if the, if you have a lot of one-year deals, you have a lot of free agents hitting the market and therefore a lot of opportunities for comp picks. Obviously, this year they weren't going to get any because they were signing so many people in general. But, um, you know, I, I do think that, that Fontenot has mentioned, like he wants to build this sort of the Ozzie Newsom style where they're, where they're getting a lot of comp picks and getting a lot of, you know, late day two, early day three uh, comp selections and, and having just this constant cycle of, of a lot of, of rookies every single year. And um, I love that strategy. I, I hope they can get there, but they're still in the early process of that. Like you have to like get the players and develop them. Then you start collecting the comp picks. Like, so we're, we're like very much, you know, halfway through now, but I'll say this about like where like kind of ownership views where this regime is right now. They are pretty shocked to have 14 wins over the first two years of this. Uh just based on like the actual players that were were being put on the field. Um and I think when you look at just like their their win-loss stuff, like a lot of one score games, that just it it mainly just reflects like you you didn't have the players to kind of be pulling away. Um and I think now now it now to me is like when like the real evaluation starts for Terry and Arthur, right? Because it, it it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to have like huge moving beliefs either way when you know if I give you a dollar and I tell you to turn it I'll give you a dollar and you gotta turn it to a hundred dollars. That's it's gonna be difficult on just about just about anybody. So um I think as far as the evaluation goes, this is probably somewhat closer to year one as far as like when can we start the, the the clock on them talking about them like getting fired or something like that? This is probably year one of that process. So um 
they've bought themselves a lot of leeway, honestly, over the past two years with how that's gone. I'm not sure how fans are going to take that, but uh, that's where they are. These guys aren't going anywhere anytime soon, and we should probably give them a little bit of time just to see what this vision looks like because this is the first year where they've 100% been able to have just their fingerprints all over it. Yeah, no, and I 100% agree. And as fans, you know, uh, like we're, we're media now as well, obviously, but we're still fans of the Falcons. So it's like, I understand guys like being impatient, you know, and, and not having a great product out there. But you look at, you look at a lot of things, right? Like how many one score games are you in? The Falcons the first year were, were on the, the plus side of that, where they were winning a lot of those one score games. Then they had a regression in that area, obviously last year where they lost a lot of those one score games. Um, but now they're, you know, the potential for just the positive one score regression this year is there. Plus the roster getting a lot better. You know, you, you look at this from that angle and this is a team that you pr- should probably expect to win maybe three or, or more games, you know, than last year. Um, you know, so, I mean, I would probably be predicting 10 and seven at this point. Um, and that's probably enough to win the NFC South for being honest. Uh, you know, last- I mean, hell yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, what, what do you think sort of, as a whole, and if you want to touch on the seventh round picks, you're you're welcome to. I don't know if you had any big takes on those guys, but um, just yeah. The only thing I have on the seventh <laughs> round guys is the Demarco Helams Helams as a Georgia fan. He had a really annoying interception in one of those title games, so that's all I got. Yeah, so hopefully he yeah. can bring that. Okay, I will say the highlight clip that they they tweeted out when they picked him was pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> it's knocking some dudes' heads off, so. Yeah. Hopefully he makes a team. I think That's he will. Yeah, I, they don't really have a fourth safety, and he can play both safety spots yeah. and slot. So I, I think he's definitely got a really good chance at the roster as that just like physical enforcer. They they don't really have a safety like that where they just have that big physical dude just for run defense um, and and some short area stuff. So I do think he has a pretty good chance, um, and he's really smart. You know, if you lead Alabama in tackles and Nick Saban puts you all over the secondary, it means you're a smart guy. So uh, I. I I, I think he will make it. I, I do think that pick, I think he could be like maybe a better Kamal Ishmael. Uh, another UCF legend, Kamal Ishmael. So, uh. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love me some Kamal Ishmael. But yeah, just you mentioned it, but like as a whole, you know, looking at the totality of moves this offseason and sort of where we are, obviously we haven't gotten to OTAs or anything like that. So I'm not asking you, you know, for like, oh, well, who are you going to, who's going to make the roster? But like as a whole, like, um, do you think that they've like done enough? Have they moved the needle enough to be legitimate NFC South contenders at least? Or do you think even potentially beyond that? Uh, let's not get crazy with yeah, the beyond yeah. that. We saw the draft the Eagles just put together and they were just in the Super Bowl. So, uh, look, I, this team, they, they still have a ways to go before they can get to that level. But dude playoffs should be the expectation for this team this year especially when you look at uh the rest of the division i mean there's no reason not to have that expectation put on them uh and and you know the, the can they compete or should they be should they be expected to compete in the nc south i mean they did last year right Cause yeah i i know i thought it was very fraudulent they were not a good team last year but record-wise, like they were in it until the last, I think, like month of the season or so, um, maybe even the last like two or three weeks of the season is when they actually got eliminated. So, yeah, um, that should be the expe- expectation this year. I I think this is going to be the year where we kind of move away from like, wow, Arthur Smith's offense is 
you know, the, the, the designs are so cool and everyone's getting open to the year where it's actually like productive yeah. uh, in a manner. I, I think Ritter's going to be a big upgrade over what Mariota offered as a passer. Yeah. Uh, we'll see the run game because I, I think I do think Mariota got a little underrated there by the fan yeah. base, but uh, uh, still, like what they what he can open up in the passing game for them, it's it's not like a, a complicated picture, you know. It's not even like Mariota was like missing reads so often; he was just missing the throws, yeah. man. Like yeah. it that that was that was the problem. Like guys would be wide open, he's just he's airmailing it so. If you can just cut down some of that, I, I kind of expect the production to really, really take off, like in a way where the statistics say this is one of the best offenses in the NFL. Yeah, no, I and like to Mario Mar- credit, like early on, like the first like six games that he played, like he he was actually doing a good job. Like the Falcons were a top ten offense uh, briefly there. Like he looked like he was running it. He was comfortable. He was running the football really effectively. I don't I don't know what happened. I don't know if he felt like Ritter breathing down his neck or like it seemed like a mental thing where he just sort of stopped like he just lost his confidence and um it, it fell apart yeah, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, he got erratic as hell towards the end of the year. Um I don't know what 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 the deal was there. He he, he was never really going to be the long-term quarterback unless yeah. he had just went supernova last year. So I don't know. Maybe he was pressing to try and save like whatever last little bit he could of you know being a starting quarterback in the NFL. But I, I he he made some wild plays, like especially you know the Thursday night Panthers game is oh is God. the beacon. But there's more in there. There's more in <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. No, it it's sad because because I liked him. I think everyone liked him. The way it ended just felt really crappy so i mean good luck to him in philly obviously uh you know i can't can't say that he didn't get the better end of that deal necessarily going to philly to be their backup but uh yeah i i, I agree with you i think ritter's gonna be able to deliver the ball like ritter is just fearless with the ball like to to where Mariota i think has just sort of learned to be very conservative with it Ritter is not afraid to just rip it. Uh, and, and you saw them make a lot of plays because of that with him and Drake London, where he was like, whatever, Drake, Drake London's down there. Uh, go get it, buddy. And he did. Um, and that's that's Kyle Pitts' game. Like, throw that thing up for Kyle Pitts. He's streaking downfield. You just got to toss it. And Mario just couldn't hit him. Um, it was very frustrating, as I'm sure you're well aware. So I, I think at the very least, Ritter will be able to hit some of those plays that the Mario just wouldn't take or, or that could, couldn't hit. Um, and then, you know, with... They've also set this up to where they don't need Ritter to do a ton. Like, you have two really good options on the outside where I expect Kyle Pitts to play a lot, you know, in Drake London and Kyle Pitts. You've got Jonu Smith, who I think is super underrated addition to this team. Like, he was just Arthur Smith's red zone super weapon that last year in Tennessee with eight touchdowns. And then you got... Bijan and Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson just to throw it like you could just put in Cordero Patterson right. for goal line you know like whatever like and he's totally fresh so they've got a lot like it hasn't been all receivers and I think that's where the sort of fantasy crowd and the national media is like well the Falcons don't Mac Hollins and Scotty Millerts they they're not gonna they're gonna have two receivers out there at most on most plays so like they're not emphasizing that position as much as the rest of the NFL they are emphasizing tight end and running back in a lot of interesting formations so I think it's going to be a much more effective offense than people are thinking. And precisely because they're not just doing what every other team is doing out there. Yeah. I, and honestly, I, I think listening to them in the press conferences, 
it makes me think Cordero might be safe for this year. Cause I, I thought after this season, he was a goner for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's still here, which obviously every day you're still in the roster increases your chance of making the roster. Uh, once we get, uh, close to August and look like usually when we, when we get, when we get like these high, high pick draft prospects where guys are, are established at their position, we usually see those guys get shipped off. Like, we just saw DeAndre Swift get traded a day after um, the the Lions picked Jameer Gibbs in the first round. So I think yeah. the fact that Cordero Patterson um, is still here, combined with their comments on like being a positionless football team, I, I think he's, he's probably going to end up sticking around uh, this year. And then like you get into, I, I think like the game that the Falcons are trying to play on offense is like we're trying to make up. We're trying to make an offense like is almost impossible to match up to, right? Um, because you know, you, you can even go back to uh man, I think it was the, the Dolphins game in uh in Arthur's first year when they went down to Miami and they won on the, the field goal or whatever. Mm-hmm. There there's plays like where they're running <laughs> they're running like 22 personnel out of shotgun, right? Where you got like Cordero Patterson in the slot, Kyle Pitts out wide. Um, and you can really, you, like, you can really start tinkering with that. I think, with with the skill sets that you have, right? So, Cordero Patterson has wide receiver experience. He's got running back experience. Uh, Bijan Robinson can play in the slot from time to time, but he's an ace running back. You got Kyle Pitts who can split time between tight end, slot, and wide receiver. Drake London can split time between slot and wide receiver. Um, they just they've got a lot of often a lot of guys in offense who can do a whole lot of different things. Uh, and I think, like, dude, like we could easily we could easily see sets where, like, they're running thirty-one personnel with Bijan Cordero and Tyra Agiel, Tyra, excuse me, Tyler Algier still on the field, and that thirty-one personnel could come out of shotgun snaps where you know you have Cordero and Bijan set outside. Like, and if you're a defense, how do you match up to that? They came out with three linebackers or three running backs, so do we want to match that with linebackers? Next thing you know, we're spread out against guys who have like legit uh, receiving abilities. It's, it's going to be tough to match up against. And I, I I think that, like, Arthur Smith is one of those guys that can probably squeeze the most out of this. Uh, and and like we talked about earlier, Ritter, like, you you just got to make the throws because I don't think that the picture is going to be that hard for you to figure out this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, even if it doesn't, like, take off to, like, being a top 10 offense or something crazy. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Like, it's going to be unique. Um, and that's underrated, right? We haven't had a lot of fun the last couple of years, so we'll, we'll at least get that, I think. But all Ritter has to do this year is just get the ball to his guys. Like, he just has to get it to him. Um, I don't think Arthur Smith is going to – like, and that's a, been a criticism of Arthur Smith is, that, oh, he doesn't have these complicated route designs. He doesn't have all this – he doesn't need it. Like, he, he doesn't want it to be super complicated for the quarterback. He just needs the quarterback to hit the guy that's open, make a couple reads, find where the one-on-one coverage is, and go, right? Um, and really for Ritter, mm-hmm. I think – for him, it's just like, just know when to take off, like know when to run. You're, you you run a four or five. You're like one of the fastest quarterbacks in the NFL. Look around and when you, and know like, cause last year he just, he seemed really uncomfortable when he had to run. Like just, yeah. Um, yeah so just like learn I, when I, to just take off, right? Take off. Don't, and, and don't get yourself pummeled up there. Cause you're not the biggest guy. You're fast, but you're not the biggest guy. You know, he's not even really built like Mariota was. So, uh, Look, I, I, I think, you know, need to temper expectations here a little bit. Ritter is – his first game will be start number five, right? So, yep. got to temper expectations a little bit. 
even as good as Bijan is, he's probably going to need a little bit of time to get just acclimated to what it's like being an NFL player. Kyle Pitts coming back from injury. So it might take a little bit of time to get off the ground, but all the pieces are here for them to be, you know, at least a top 10 offense. So I think like that, we talked about expectations before. The expectation should be to win the NFC South and for Ritter to take that step and for this to be one of the best offenses in the league. So uh, we'll see what happens, but I think that those are very fair expectations to have upon them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I think they, they probably should be the favorite in the NFC South, unless you're just all about Derek Carr and that saints roster. That's just, they, man, they feel so much like the 2018 Falcons to me, like just loaded down with all these big contracts and aging veterans. And then they just sort of go for these like stopgap moves that just I don't think are going to work. <laughs> so now I'm obviously a Saints hater, so I'm taking the negative approach to, to what the, whatever they're doing over there. But the Bucks are going to be starting either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, the, the Panthers, I mean, maybe the Panthers are somehow the, the other team to watch, like depending on how quickly Bryce Young gets settled. But even then, I mean, that wide receiver room isn't particularly good. Uh, so, I mean, they, they've got work to do as well. I mean, that defense is certainly something, but um yeah, uh, it really could be the Falcons and the Panthers just completely, you know, turn it around uh, this year. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The, the the Bryce Young, I I I I think Bryce Young is a good prospect. The Bryce Young Brian Burns picture is also burning to my mind. <laughs> he looked like he looked like an actual toddler, and Brian Burns is not like the he's not the biggest guys that you're going to be chasing after. So we'll see. Yeah. That, I love Bryce Young. He he's a cool dude. Uh, I love his tape, but yeah, he he's got to prove that he's the outlier. Essentially, um, you know, I, I think he can do it, but it it's gonna be tough for him. And and I just hope he can stay healthy. Uh, that's that's the thing when you're that small. So, um, yeah, Charles, it's been a lot of fun. Really appreciate you coming on and and uh, getting your takes on the Falcons. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this more than once a year uh, going forward. <laughs> but um, guys, he's yeah. he's. Charles McDonald at four verts. Anything you want to plug, man? Uh, you can go read all my draft stuff on Yahoo Sports. Uh, I did a lot this year between my drafts, player rankings. Um, we were on the, the Jalen Carter beat for a little bit this offseason, uh, just trying to trying to you know talk teams and project his draft status. So um, I think the reporting there ended up turning out pretty right. You know, <laughs> well, I remember when when I forget who it was. Uh, I think it was like Mike Sando. He had the report that Jalen Carter was going to fall in the top 10. And I was like, nope, nope. There's some reporting. And everyone's like, nope, not true. <laughs> yep. yep. Not happening. The only thing that's going to make him fall for real, for real, is like the, the quarterback push at the top of the draft. Like if there weren't three quarterbacks taken before him, we would have gone a little bit higher. So I think we do a pretty good quality of work over there. Just check yep. out my uh, report, my, my, my colleagues, Charles Robinson, Jory Epstein. I, uh, We've had a lot of fun over there this year, and I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully many more years working with them. So, it's it's been a it's been a pretty pretty good ride at Yahoo so far. Yeah, yeah, good good stuff over there for sure. Definitely check out Yahoo Sports, guys. Uh, I know it may not be the first name that always comes to mind, but they've been doing good work over there for quite a while now. So definitely check them out. Uh, and of course, guys, I'm Kevin. I at Falcoholic Kevin. Uh, please do like and subscribe if you're enjoying the show on YouTube. Leave us that five star review on your podcast platform of choice. Follow the show at Falcoholic Live and join us on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern for the live show. 
Uh, but otherwise, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. We'll see you next time. Uh, once again, thanks to our sponsor. Uh, the show is presented by Bet Online, and we will see you guys uh, next time. Have a great day, folks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.